SAFM Sports Wrap. SAFM South Africa's news and information leader. We uh, are going to be talking, of course, throughout the show on uh, former Springboks come off Just Funder Vestation's passing. The tributes have continued to come in from all around the world, and indeed we are uh, providing tributes of our own and, and hearing from some of those who knew him best. And indeed, uh, one of those players who was closest to him was uh, the Springbok great Brayton Paulson, I'm delighted to say is on the line, but uh, also under such tragic circumstances, Brayton. Thank you for joining us, but uh, my deepest condolences. I know Just was a friend. Thank you, Dwayne, and thank you to your listeners. Yeah, it, it, it's indeed a sad day for, for all, you know, rugby fans and, 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 and rugby people around the world. I mean, years had such an impact, you know, uh, globally, uh, and, and he made, and I think his biggest impact he made was, you know, with uh, this terrible disease, uh, MS, yeah. uh, the, muter, the, the, the motor neuron disease. You know, I think, I think he touched so many lives and he helped so many people he didn't even know himself, and I think we need to commend him for that. So, yeah, you know, condolences to his family as well, and I know it's been a tough time for, for Uncle Gustav uh, and his brothers, you know, and his his, his, his wife and, and kids. So, so we um, we send all our love and hugs to them, and, and, and you know, may God carry them uh, through the difficult time. It's indeed a difficult time for us, but you know, it's time now to celebrate the man's life and say thank you for what he's done uh, for rugby as a person, as an ambassador, and as an African ambassador. And, and you know, for me, he was the best number nine of all time around the world. And I was I was very thankful to to be able to to share dressing room with him, and, and I will be forever grateful for 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 those you know values that, that I've learned from him. Um, he certainly had an impact in my life, mm. uh, you know. And uh, obviously, like we're gonna probably speak about it a little bit later. But uh, again, you know, a sad day for us, and uh, we will forever remember him. Can I just ask you though, uh, Brayton? I mean, if you go back to the, the sort of beginning of uh, post his rugby career, and, and uh, you mentioned about how he battled uh, so valiantly and bravely against motor neuron disease. Yeah. I mean, it must have been particularly difficult to see your friend with motor neuron disease. But did you also find it motivating and inspiring to see how he faced the disease? And, and what was that emotion like for you when you actually first found out he had the disease? Yeah, it wasn't easy. It was certainly one of shock. Uh, you don't expect that. You know, it can happen to uh, the rugby player of his magnitude. You know, a strong man, an athlete, a guy who, who certainly loved his life well. And um, it just shows you, you know, that we, we're all vulnerable as people and it can happen to anybody. And in that, it's a lesson for all of us. So, so you know, every day we need to be grateful for what we have as people. We need to be thankful and we need to appreciate our lives because it, it can be taken away from you tomorrow, you know, through anything, uh, you know, in, in this, this crazy world. So, I was, I was certainly shocked, you know, and obviously it, it touched so many lives when the disease started hitting him. And, and, and again, you know, he was such a fighter, and I will never forget the, the, the first, my first sort of meeting I had with him uh, as a rugby player. I was, I was playing, making like, my debut for Western Province as a 20-year-old, and, and he was, you know, the great, unique, uh, iconic U.S. was playing for the Bulls. I couldn't wait to, you know, to play against the Bulls that particular Saturday, and... Um, and obviously, I was sort of this new upcoming guy, and you know, uh, was making waves at university, and I got my first my debut for Western Province. And um, and you was, uh, you know, those those days obviously they had a very good Northern Province of our team, and uh, you know, and I was obviously wanting to make my mark for Western Province and make sure that I I have a good uh, a good sort of debut. And um, on that specific day, you know, you was obviously all around the park, and he was a markman, and opposition feared him, you know. But I was just. Happy to be, be able to play against this great, you know, that is, that is yours and what he's done up till then for the African rugby. And I remember the one, you know, one, the one time I was getting the ball in the blind side and I was going through the guys and I was stepping guys and, and I saw the line, you know, scoring my, my, my first try for Western Pro about five meters away. And, you know, from nowhere this guy comes, 
sort of uh, doing a cover defense and it was other than yours, you know. <laughs> and he, he took me down. He's like, "Welcome by by Grootman rugby break," you know. And and we had a little moment, you know, like uh, it was amazing that he he sort of deprived me for my first uh, try for Western Province at Newlands. But in that there was a, a bit of humor, and, and I could see in his eyes at the time that, geez, this guy's a warrior, you know. He's a fighter. And through that, we, we could saw we could see that, uh, you know, in this fight now was a disease. I mean, listen, many people would have gave up. Um, he went on a, another couple of years that, that people probably didn't even, you know, or even the, the best doctors out there didn't even give him a chance. So this shows you that fighting spirit in the man. And he, and he had this, this dry humor that I always I always enjoyed, you know, while starting with him and playing with him. And, and, and I think in that, you know, the man had character, the man had personality. And, and the man was a really strong character. And, and I think, you know, you need to admire him for that. Yeah, uh, you, you talk about that that, that great story of uh, playing against him in, in that uh, opportunity to score your debut try at Newlands as well. Yeah. But, but I mean, <laughs> you, you you also played with Eustace at Springbok level, and you played under him yes. as a captain. What what was mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. what leadership abilities did he have uh, in rugby teams, and, and what was his captaincy style? Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, when you become a Springbok, you know, you want to obviously earn the respect of of your fellow teammates, and I think Eustace did that in, uh, in his first two games, and and and. And also, you know, even though he wasn't captain at times, he had such an aura in the side that when you spoke, you know, everybody listened. And he, and he had that kind of personality within the team. And, and again, another story I, I have to tell you, Dwayne, is that, you know, I had, in, I mean, long time ago, 1999, was, I, I really came through and I, I really started to find my seat at, at, at Western Province and Stormers level, Super Rugby level. And I just broke into the 99 World Cup side and, and I was at my peak. I was really feeling that, you know, this is my time. I went to the World Cup and it was really tough for me. It was really frustrated for me, you know. I wasn't selected for the side, although I was a top try scorer during that year for South African Super Rugby and Curry Cup side. Um, and, and I was really, really, uh, you know, I really felt let down by not, not getting an opportunity. And, and throughout that time, you know, Yus was always a guy who came to me and said, wait, you stay strong. You know, your time will come. Be positive. I, I know what it's like. I've also been there. And that's the kind of guy he was. And I, I will never forget, you know, that, that wonderful game it almost revived my career. We, we obviously, unfortunately, lost to the Wallabies uh, in 99 at semi-final. That, that terrible kick from uh, Larkham, and then we went and played the the mighty All Blacks, you know, in the third playoff in Wales. And and by then I got an opportunity. After the World Cup was almost done, I got an opportunity, and um, you know it was a sort of a seesaw game. Uh, they were attacking, we were attacking. Was nine nine, then twelve nine, then. 12 all, and then a decisive moment happened in the game where I managed to get an opportunity. I went and scored a try out of my own half. And then, you know, guess who the first guy was who congratulated me? And, and it was yours, you know. In my ear, he, he whispered to me, he said, Pretty, you see, uh, I told you your time will come. Um, and that little moment again there for me, uh, you know, I was, I was at the brink of like giving up and like, because and I, I felt like, you know, Rugby's not fair because how can you score a lot of tries and you don't get opportunities? But then and then you still gave me that little, you know, whisper in my ear that said to me, like, listen, man, this is, <laughs> this is almost like a signal that you send out to the coaches and, and tell them that you have to stay. And, and that sort of revived my whole career and it gave me new perspectives, gave me new meaning in the rugby sense. And, and then I decided, geez, man, I needed something like that to happen for me. But, Despite scoring the try, was this a little moment I had was used and he gave me that little inspiration, if you like, to say that, you know, don't give up so easily, but you, you're stronger than that. 
And again, you know, that's a little moment that I, that I can remember from years. You know, he made two significant, significant sort of, um, he had two significant moments with him in my life. And, and, I, and I'm grateful, uh, thank, thankful for that because, you know, when, when things go wrong, obviously people are quick to criticize and point fingers. But it's those little moments in life that count that you share with people along the way that, that can make a difference in your life. And, and for me, those two moments in my life certainly from years, you know, being the man that he was, uh, had a massive impact in my life. Well, you, you just told some, some incredible stories. Uh, I, I mean, from the humorous to, to the, the genuine that illustrate his character, Brayton. But I, yeah. I, re- I really, really appreciate you taking time to, to chat to us, albeit briefly for, uh, for tonight's show. Yeah. But listen, certainly, uh, thank you very much for sharing your stories on, uh, on US Funnabay Days and, and, uh, and uh, you know, go, go, and, uh, go and celebrate his life now. Sure. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, guys. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. SFM South Africa's news and information leader. Now we continue talking about the uh, tragic story of the day, the passing of former Springboks scrum half Joost van Oostes and the man who battled on uh, so many fronts and uh, six odd years against motor neuron disease to boot, which uh, turned out to be rather inspirational and certainly spoke about his character, I feel. But let's talk about a man who knew him better than most, uh, former Springbok coach and a man who's known him since he was a schoolboy, Heineke Mayer. Heineke, firstly, my, my deepest condolences on the loss of, of someone who I know was a close friend. Yeah, you know, he was uh, captain, my captain, a very, very close friend, and, um, you know, I've known him probably most of his life and know the family well, so a uh, very sad day for me, uh, obviously for the family as well, and I'm, you know, just another really thinking about him and, you know, pray for, for strength in these difficult times, but uh, it was an honor to know the man. Uh, he was a real, real warrior and, uh, and a great friend, and uh, although we're all very sad, I also want to remember his life and celebrate his life because uh, he was an inspiration to a lot of people, not just as a rugby player, but also, you know, right up to the end, uh, and, and fighting the sickness and, and making the whole world aware of the sickness. And, uh, you know, what he did for the J9 Foundation was unbelievable, and that's, that's also a legacy we'll leave behind. Yeah, uh, that, that, that is something that's uh, spoken so much uh, about, and I've, I've noticed, especially from the international tweets and, and sort of Facebook posts that are coming out about him. And I think it was uh, Ben Kay, the former England lock, that actually said, you know, few become a hero twice in your lifetime like, like yours did. And I suppose... Uh, 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 it's, it's one of the stories of, of, of U.S. post his rugby career. But how much inspiration did you find in both his rugby career and how he battled motor neuron disease post it? Yeah, you know, just to get back to Ben Kauf, coaching as well, the sports yes. to coach him as well at Leicester, and um, what he says is 100% true. And the one thing about U.S., you know, uh, you know, throughout the world, if you just if you just be known by your name. Uh, then you know you're a true legend. Everybody yes. just knows you as just U.S. Nobody knows him as U.S. when the best days. And so whenever I've gone around the world and whenever I've traveled the world, everybody just wanted to know how I was U.S. doing. And uh, so I always say if you want to be a true legend, people remember you just by your name. And, um, you know, that's why I was just called U.S. And throughout the world, they, they could associate with him. And, uh, you know, he was, a, he was a really inspirational guy to me. Um, I've been through highs and lows and um had great times and sometimes, you know, struggled together as well. Um, you know, I'll share a story that I would probably uh, will remember you as the best and that will probably uh, summarize his life. And, you know, I don't want to swear on TV and that's not a type of person you as was, but I remember I was quite sad seeing, you know, the way his, his body has, uh, has gone to deteriorate And uh, we were at the function and it was probably four years since he had motor neuron disease. And uh, he was struggling speaking, and I tell this light audibly, you know, obviously I'm sad, but uh, I remember all the light moments as well. And uh, mm. I remember sitting there, and he said something to me, and I couldn't hear because by that time he was really struggling to speak. 
And um, I said, you're sorry, man, I can't, I can't hear what you're saying. Just repeat. And he said to me, you know what, um, the doctors, everybody gave me a year. And then beep, 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 he says, swear word, he said stuff. Then, you know, it's been four years and I'm still fighting. And that, for me, that that sums up the guy. You know, that really sums up years. And just for me as well, you know, especially as a single coach, and after the World Cup, you go through ups and downs. But the, the guy like that just keeps on fighting till the end. You know, that should give South African hopes, and that should give all people with, with uh, you know, illness and people that are struggling and in hospitals, that should give you hope because he was fighting right till the end. And I know he was also fighting to uh, at least, you know, grow up with his, his children growing up. But um, what a warrior, what a man. I remember, you know, in the 99 World Cup, um, you know, early on in the World Cup, he got injured and probably should have a knee operation then. And he said to me, Annika, we were quite close and I don't want to go to the doc because he's going to send me home and I don't want you to speak to Nick, which was the head coach. And he said, I don't care, I'm going to play off with no ligaments in my, in, in my knee. But I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to win the World Cup South Africa. And we come so close. You know, Larkin's drop goal was a difference between probably winning the World Cup and losing it. And, and U.S. Yeah. play right away into the captain. And that's the type of person that, that he was. You know, he was a, he was an unbelievable leader, led from the front. And, um, you know, put his whole body on the line for his country. And, um, I think one, one part that people don't realize about U.S., he also had a softer side and, and, uh, you know, he, he um, you never forget where he came from and, and what he meant for his community. And, and one thing I remember, uh, you know, is that um, I've coached probably a thousand rugby players and most of the Springboks since '95. And uh, obviously, it's an eager world as well. Mm. But uh, where US made such a difference in my life is I remember it was his last game, and then a year later he had a, a tribute, and there was a lot of there was no press, and it was just a few people involved. And um, he stood up and did a speech, and then. Um, yeah, and about 15 uh, signed jerseys by him, his most best memorabilia in Springbok jerseys, and uh, framed it for us. And he gave every single guy that made a difference in his life with his career, since he was a schoolboy till Springbok captain. There was 15 of us, and each each one received a you know, framed Springbok jersey. And uh, the teacher that worked with him, his first coach at school, Eugene van Weyck, his doctor, Dr. Kalbrick, mm-hmm. was right till the end, Harry Engelbach. So, you I mean, it just shows that uh, he was very thankful what we've done for his career. And for me, you know, that's one of my prized possessions. And, you know, that's how I remember the man. He was always thankful for, you know, making a difference in his life. And that's why I always believe he made a difference right away in other people's lives as well. Uh, you certainly did. I think this is one of the things. I mean, uh, for a short while, I was actually stadium announcer at, at, at Loftus in, in years gone by when I was studying at the University of Pretoria and while I was on Radio Tux, as it was back then, rather than uh, I think now it's Tux FM. But I, I, he knew that my little brother was a, was an enormous Blue Bulls fan. And, and, and when he bought, do you remember when he bought the, the, the petrol station in Hatfield? Uh, he had, yes, he, yes. Had, he had the little function to start, and, and, and he invited my brother along to this little opening uh, ceremony, and then, and then he had a, a fed cook eating competition with my brother to see who could eat the fed cook the quickest. And of course, uh, I think he let my brother win, but certainly, and that just the way he treated my little brother, who was uh, you know this this fanatical teenage rugby fan uh, at the time, I think just said so much to me about about who he was as as an individual, and that the fact that he could make time for 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 somebody uh, just just like that that he happened to know was a big fan spoke so much to me but i I really want to ask you about us going back to schoolboy days because i know you knew him when he was still a you know an acne-faced teenager at school the awkward schoolboy perhaps but you know when when did you first realize he had the potential to to do something great in rugby yeah you know um the first time i've seen us played i i could uh i could just sense that he was uh he was something special 
Um, you know, I was coaching since I was 10 years old, so I was a, I was a rugby fanatic and watched all the games. And it's uh, so as a schoolboy, I didn't see most of his games, but I've, I've seen a few. And he was great in all sports. You know, I think he could have been a springbok in 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 a few sports. And he was great in athletics and uh, um, golf ball, of the God's word, mm. and uh, even baseball. So he was he was really, but. Uh, you know, I saw him as a youngster play for Tickies and I was amazed at the way he's played. And I always believe he's changed the game that we perceive scrum off play because in those days scrum off was mostly small guys that were, yes. just had a quick service and uh, they weren't probably allowed to break and uh, it was more just, and it weren't really good defenders. And I just think he changed the whole way that we perceive scrum off. Suddenly you've got this guy that actually should probably, could have, he could have played flank as well as be a springbok as well. So you know, early you know, right from a from an early age, you know, I, I truly believe that uh, he could go places. And like I said, uh, way back then, uh, I studied uh, part of my study to be a coach. Uh, I was a teacher for two years as well, and because I know that was the right path for me to be a, to be a coach. And he was a, a young teacher just uh, that had to do in-house training. And uh, we had a lot of stories and dreams that he wanted to play for South Africa, and I want to coach South Africa. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, uh, the two of us uh, really achieved our <laughs> dreams. But even there, what I'm trying to say is I could just really sense that this guy's really, really driven uh, and he believed that he would get there. And, and he was a really, really hard worker. He was an unbelievable worker. And, uh, you know, usually when, when I started with the Bulls, you know, we've lost all our games and nobody wanted to come to love this. But I knew that if I could build a team around U.S., because of his work ethic, uh, we will be special. And in 2002, nobody gave us a chance. Just came from Super Rugby, haven't won a game. And he just came back as a leader, and Derek was 18 years old. And just the way he inspired the team and, and led from the front, uh, he was amazed. So I've seen that in a, in, a, in a really young age. And like I said, in those days, scum-offs weren't supposed to break, and they weren't supposed to defend like his forwards. So I could see he had a, he had a talent, but I could also see he had a mental toughness, which, which he showed right to the end. And I could also see that he really had a love for the game. So there was never a question in my mind that he would play at the highest level. And uh, I was fortunate enough to follow his career. And I was really, really honored to, to be his coach and uh, to be his friend as well. If you're just tuning in, we're chatting to former Springwell coach Tony Kamara, a friend of uh, US Front of Best Days and former coach. Uh, but just give us a, a few behind-the-scenes insights as, as well. I mean, we, we know he was a bit of a character. We know he had a bit of a naughty side as well. What was he like in the, in the change room with the, with the guys, both at Blue Bulls and indeed at, the, at Springbok level? No, he, was, he always had a naughty side. Um, you know, he was always a joke as well. You don't realize it. Uh, the one thing about you is, you know, he was, that's why people respect him. That's why he was such a strong leader because uh, although he was, he was sometimes, he never knew what to expect. And sometimes uh, he was like, you know, always tricks and, and, and uh, especially with the youngsters, uh, you know, pulling their leg and yes. making jokes. But uh, the other, then the next time, but as soon as he steps on the field, he was, uh, he was so professional and he was so driven, you know, really, really driven. I remember the one day he told me a story when he was, when he was a youngster. Uh, and, uh, he just came to the ranks and he said he was, uh, he stopped his car at Loftus and, and the beggar came to him. And those days he was, he was sponsored by, I think, William Hunt. Uh, and, uh, he, um, he was, on his car was William Hunt sponsored US. And then the beggar came to him and he said, the beggar looked at him and said, uh, Mr. Hunt, do you know US Fun of Estes? And he's a great player and he's going to go places. So, <laughs> so even those days he was, and he was always full of tricks. I remember with Derek being a youngster, you know, he was always really looked after Derek, but, uh, he always had a naughty, naughty side and a funny side about him as well. 
Henneke, you, you mentioned that uh, you know this is this is a player who was tall. I think he was, you know, he was he was definitely over six foot tall. He must have been ninety odd kilograms for a scrum off. But you know, when we talk about sporting legends and sporting icons, often people involved in sport talk about the people who transformed uh, roles, who transformed the sport. Is it true to say that, uh, and would you would you say that you transformed the role of a scrum half? No, definitely. You know, Robert Appel was one of the biggest scrum halves, and then. Um you know, obviously, US came on the scene, and a lot of people think thought that he won't make it as a scrum off because uh, a lot of people said he must rather move to a loose forward or centre because he was so big and he was uh, so athletic. But uh, definitely, you know, uh, he had one of the best service, services in the game, and uh, his fighting break around the around the fringes um, really changed the game. And that's why at one stage he was, uh, you know, just before Brian, he was uh, was the the most strike scored or prolific strike score for the Springboks. It was a it was a record for quite some time. And what happened was uh, just because of US fighting around the corners and scoring all those tries, especially from lineups and scrums, um, you know, most of the teams got uh, lead coaches in and as a lead coach you you start to defend those pillars and, and you really work hard in defending those pillars. So because of that, um the whole game changed and the whole defensive systems change and uh you know, the thing that people don't realize about U.S. is how great his defense was. Um, you know, everybody talks about his attack and his service and, and, and his inspiration, but he was an unbelievable defender that you've seen in the World Cup as well when he stopped Zuloma a few times. So just on the defensive side, he, uh, he changed the game because everybody used to play in a nine channel. With U.S. there, you know that nobody would come into that channel. Yeah, I suppose that, that, that definitive moment in the uh, the World Cup final against uh, John Alomu, that it's always going to stand out. But I think the one the one thing that uh, people do forget is the way he fed Yanni De Beer for those five drop goals in one half to sink England in uh, in '99. Just uh, I think that and the the hat trick against Wales. Certainly yes, helped. you know, oh, unbelievable. And you know, just so many memories. I remember that that uh, I don't want to take any credit. Um, you know, Brendan Center and Nick, everybody's involved. But in those days, I was a I was a forward coach and technical advisor. So uh, I was the guy giving the messages on the field, next to the field. And uh, four of those five drop goals, the the call was Bok, and I, I gave the call through to years and then. So it was like, you know, for me it was one of the best, best memories ever in my coaching career because it was like poetry in motion. I was right next to the field giving the call from Nick and the guys involved, and then I just saw those, those kids go over the crossbar. So for me, I was really, I was so part of that of that campaign and you know being onto the field is so different to being in the box. So for me that, that drop goal was unbelievable and, and being on the field and actually getting the calls through was, was amazing and I'll, I'll never forget that. Don't worry Anika, you can take all the credit you like. But uh, I, I think one of the defining features is is how teammates perceive any individuals or any, any sporting uh, players. H- how was yours perceived by his peers? Yeah, I know obviously huge, huge respect. And uh, like I said a few times, he was a he was a warrior that led from the front, and they would follow follow him into battle. It doesn't matter where they would follow him into battle. And I remember a story old uh, that's related to this. Old Gary Guetta, which also now the yes. fourth coach at at the Blue Bulls. Um, you know, in 2002 campaign, he was a youngster, and um, I'm very very strict on discipline, and uh, U.S. probably more. So I remember we. Players were never ever late, you know. They just knew that uh, if I don't get stuck into them, then U.S. will. And they had so much respect for him that they never wanted to uh, to disappoint him. And I remember the one story vividly. Like, I couldn't believe it. We were going to the captain's run for the semi-final or the final. I think it was the final, um, you know, against the Lions. And uh, I don't know what happened. Poor Gary, he uh, was a youngster and he played hooker and he, I think he overslept for the captain's run. So the whole team was there in the bus waiting 
and uh, I got very agitated because I, I saw Gary wasn't there, and I was very cross, obviously, and waited, and I could see U.S. was just looking at me the same. And Gary ran out of the hotel room and onto the bus, and just showed the respect. I should actually tell the Afrikaans, he, uh, he couldn't look me in the eye, and U.S. was just sitting behind me, and he just said in Afrikaans, I'll translate, he just says, uh, uh, you know, coach, U.S., and players, I want to apologize for being late. And it just showed the respect. You know, they didn't see, they didn't see U.S. as a player. He was always coached U.S. and players. Mm. And, um, and he apologized to me, but he actually apologized more to U.S. and he was probably more afraid of U.S. and what U.S. will do. And, uh, he didn't deal with, you know, he was so disciplinarian and so perfectionist in his rugby that uh, whenever players, you know, spoke to him or, or, or um, you know, mentioned his name, it wasn't just fellow players. It was always just U.S. And they, they saw him in the same regard as the coach. It was always coach to U.S. and players. And that, that story just relates to the, the amount of respect the players had for him and uh, the race for him as a, as, a, as a leader of men. He certainly was. But, uh, Henneke, you're also a leader of men. There's no doubt about that. You've proved it uh, all, over the, uh, all over the world, really, with your coaching. But I was reading just this morning with, with interest, uh, be- before we heard about the tragic news of yours passing, that uh, you are taking a new role with a Hong Kong-based company. Is, can you just tell us what you're going to be, what you're going to be doing now? Yeah, I'm very, very excited. You know, uh, after the World Cup, I felt I let my country down. I really, really took it very hard on myself because... You know, we didn't, we didn't have a great year of preparation. There wasn't incoming tours and I don't want to make any, you know, excuses, but I didn't thought we were well prepared and, you know, we came so close, uh, even two points. So I, I always thought we could have won the World Cup and I really thought uh, I let my country down. And, um, so for a year, I just, uh, I wasn't sure to what, my, what to do with my life and I thought that, you know, probably won't, I will get into business and, uh, that's the end of my rugby career because once you've coached Springboks, for me, that's the ultimate, you know. I don't want to coach an international team or I don't want to coach, you know. I just love being involved, but I was, I didn't know what to do with my life and I knew I wanted to make a difference. And then I, I decided to take a year off, spend time with the family. I've never been there for, for, for holidays or never been there for birthdays or, or wedding anniversary or, or anything like that. So I took a year off. And then, um, you know, just, just realize rugby is still my passion. You know, it's really still my passion. And even now with, with, with a guy like U.S. passing away, I just, I just now blessed I am to, to be involved with such great people. So, uh, then I realized that rugby is still my passion and, and I, and I want to be involved. So, uh, I was involved in the Mauritius Pens and really enjoyed the ethos of the game where there was no money involved, just coaching for the right reasons and coaching for the camaraderie and, and the ethos of the game. And then I met uh, John Phelps, which uh, was involved with Carinet Sport. It's a Hong Kong-based company. And, um, you know, we started talking, and um, you know, they've got a team, the APT, that plays friendlies around the world and, and spread, the, you know, the, the way of rugby as well. So I've got involved with them, and I've, I've been appointed now as MD of the company, uh, where we're going to have, a, you know, a few tournaments around the world. But we also... Busy with projects in South Africa, so I'm going to be based in South Africa because that's where I want to make a difference. Um, you know, I have great offers to go overseas, but I want to make a difference in South Africa. So we're definitely looking at opportunities here. We're already talking to a few, uh, few teams, and uh, I want to do big things in South Africa and, uh, you know, produce springboks and produce coaches, and that's what I love. So I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, although it's an overseas-based company, we're going to set up company here, and uh, although I'm going to travel the world and, and be involved in tournaments. Uh, most of my time will be in South Africa, and uh, there's a few great announcements soon about South African teams. So I'm very, very excited, and it's a huge honor to be back into rugby and make a difference uh, 
in my own country. Well, Hedeke, I certainly wish you everything the best with Karanat, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll encounter one another uh, down the years with, uh, with your involvement there. But most of all, thank you very much for, uh, for, for sharing on US Fund of Best Days and tonight. No, thank you very much. You know, it's, a, it's an honor, and you know, like, when I look back at my career, it's not, not a trophy she's won. Um, it's just meeting so many great people and uh, people inspiring my life. And, uh, you know, I just hope somewhere I can make a difference in somebody else's life. So it's, it's, it's a real honor. And, you know, I'm so pleased. And thank you very much. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so sad, but I'm just so pleased to be able to, to coach a champion like yours. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. Well, that is uh, all we've got time for on tonight's show. Uh, unfortunately, just a tribute to Joost van der Westeys and uh, legend that he is and certainly uh, a battler deluxe who lost his battle with motor neuron disease earlier today. That's all we've got time for. Now, Lady Malau is up next. Don't go anywhere, but uh, from Siobhan Chetty and me, Dwayne Delocker, have a lovely evening. Cheers. It's 7 o'clock.